0: Welcome back to the Uncensored CMO. Now, this week is Super Bowl week. So what better guest than the Michelob Ultra VP of Marketing, Ricardo Marquez, to talk to me about how they made their Super Bowl ad this year. Now, I know it's a good ad because at System One, we been able to test some of the ads before even Super Bowl night and this one at the moment is the top performer. Now they've got history Um, they've been advertising for the last few years been doing incredible work and in fact are the third best Super Bowl advertiser of all time. So to find out how they did it the secrets behind Super Bowl and much much more you'll enjoy this episode my episode with Ricardo Marquez.
1: Ricardo welcome to the show. John thanks for having me Uh, such a pleasure finally getting uh, the opportunity to talk to you. And in Super Bowl week, right? So this (laughs) is very exciting.
0: So tell me what Super Bowl week is like uh, at the company you work for, because it must be quite a big deal. Uh, Does everyone watch and wait to see your ad play out?
1: I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the most... Uh, let's say talked about moments of the year. It's right at the start of the year, critically important for us to set up a successful year. And of course, the investment that goes behind it, the planning that goes behind it, the noise that we know is around Super Bowl. So everything about it is special. And we always look to bring our A game to any Super Bowl. And of course, this year is no different.
0: I I was very fortunate actually, because in 2010, I was working for Gatorade and uh, I was invited to the Super Bowl for the first time. And it was just a magical experience. So What I didn't appreciate as a, as, as a British guy is quite what a cultural experience it was. I mean, in fact, the, the, the football, I have to say football now, rather, you know, but actually was, you know, probably a small part of the day. There was so much entertainment and the shows and the everyone dressing up. And it was it, it's quite magical, isn't it, as a, as a bit of entertainment itself?
1: Absolutely. The best way I can describe it is imagine a World Cup. That happens every single year in the US, right? I mean, a hundred million consumers watching the anticipation that leads up to the big moment and again, all the brands that are putting their best work forward. So it is, it is amazing. And I, I get incredibly excited every single year. Uh, to be part of it, I can really
0: imagine, and there's a big, big percentage of the, of the population, isn't there, that, that actually watch the Super Bowl live every year. So it's, it's it's one amazing way to reach everybody, you know, at the same time.
1: And and of course, for everybody in marketing and, and brands, uh, people are tuning in for the for the spots, for the ads themselves. So it is also quite unique, quite special that the brands are part of the show and something that people are looking forward to uh, to enjoying as well.
0: We're, the closest we get in the UK is is Christmas, like Christmas is kind of our Super Bowl where everyone does the best work and everyone's debating online, you know, which ads won it this year and that kind of thing. So no, it's great. It's, it's fun as a marketer to be talking about advertising, isn't it? And everyone else know what you're talking about for a change, you know, which you is it Now, I can't wait to talk about the Super Bowl and the ad you've got breaking this year as well, which is amazing. Just before we get into it, just for everyone listening and watching, tell us who you are and kind of, what, you know, how, how you got into the job you've got today.
1: Well, my name is Ricardo Marquez. I'm the VP of marketing for uh, for Michelob Ultra. And believe it or not, I've been this year, I cannot believe that I'm going to say this out loud, 19 years with AB, wow. with this amazing company. I feel incredibly fortunate to be part of this amazing team surrounded by smart people that are energized, excited, uh, every single day to do their very best for the iconic brands we get to to be able to, to market and, and support. Uh, so incredibly fortunate, 19 years. I mean, time goes fast when you're selling beer. When you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> when you're having fun. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And of course, over the past five years, leading this uh, incredibly important brand for our US portfolio, that is Michelob Ultra.
0: Now, you've had you've you've got some history of the Super Bowl, haven't you? And the reason why I think you're you're probably the perfect guest for me to talk to is you've got quite a back catalogue of, of Super Bowl ads. So um, given I work at System 1, I get an opportunity to retest every Super Bowl ad we have done for the last few years. I thought, I spoke to the team and said, right, send me all of your results, right? I want to see how you've been doing over the last few years. And um, it's really, well, first of all, congratulations, because it's a really strong performance. Um, But um, I looked at two things. I looked at first the average of every advertiser that's ever advertised on the Super Bowl. So the average score they get when they've done more than one, you know, one campaign. Um, I mean, there's a lot of rookies actually every year. So we get sort of 30 or 40% of ads every year from retailers that only do it once. But I looked at everyone who's ever done more than one campaign. Here are the top three. So number one, Doritos. Number two, T-Mobile, and number three, yours, Mikrolo wow. Ultra. Number three, you're number three all time. All time, correct? Wow. Yes. Now, now, all time since we started testing. So you know, I can't go back to the 1920s or whatever. But in recent history, right? Um, and you've done a you've done a campaign every year for quite some time, haven't you? That's it's right. right. I also looked at the your scores as well over the last five years. So, uh, starting with twenty twenty, Jimmy Fallon, of course, very funny ad, four point one stars out of five. So that was absolutely brilliant. Twenty twenty one, three point seven. You had the, the the legends, the the still shots of all the legends, very moving. Post pandemic, of course, you know that was that was that was very impressive. Twenty twenty two. Uh, Peyton Manning and Serena Williams, three point seven. So again, very high. And to put it into context, high three star would be in the top ten percent of Super Bowl ads. So so you know you, you're very consistent. Last year, I love. I have to say, last year was a bit of a favourite because you had Logan Roy in an ad. I mean, like, and Succession was at his absolute peak, wasn't it? Absolute pomp. Uh, Four point two. So how do, you think, how do you think you're going to
1: do this year? Well, you're, you're putting me on the spot here. I, I, I mean, I, I hope that it's going to be at least as good as last year. I mean. Well, the thing is,
0: because you, you, you must have broken the ad. Actually, let me ask you this question before I tell you the answer. So there's always a debate every year. Do you wait till game night to show the ad or do you break it in the week beforehand? What's your kind of philosophy on whether you kind of go early and make the most of the media or whether you keep the surprise up your sleeve?
1: We love to uh, to actually premiere the spot in the days uh, leading up to Super Bowl because, of course, the anticipation for the big day is there. The conversation around the spots is already there, and we are already uh, capture a ton of great coverage. People talking about the spots, PR coverage, so it almost feels like we'd be leaving money on the table so to say if we would wait until sunday for this big surprise reveal
0: well our data suggests that you're right Uh, we actually we actually looked at the database and we actually segmented it by every advertiser that waits till game night and every advertiser that previews ahead of game night zero difference so there is nothing lost to the response from the audience to you know for for waiting so that's good right So, so that's good now, this year, uh, so far, there's usually about 60 advertisers uh, during Super Bowl night, it, it, between sort of maybe 55 and up to sort of about 70. But 60 would be an average. This year, 13 advertisers so far have released their ads. And I'm delighted to say you've got 4.8 star and you're currently number one. Wow. 4.8. 4. 4. 4.8. out of 5. Wow. Now. Sometimes there isn't a five-star ad in the Super Bowl. Uh, if there is, there's usually one or two. So already, you're fairly
1: comfortably going to be right in the top five, I reckon. I, I mean, that's that's amazing to <laughs> to to hear. And uh, I can tell you that the team is going to be incredibly excited because they've worked so hard over the last few months. It's been a multi-month process to get us to where we are today. And of course, our partners at White Kennedy, New York, I'm sure that everybody's going to be excited. Uh, They're an amazing team on that in fact i had I had them on the podcast last year talking about McDonald's. they have done yeah. some
0: spectacular work from the, the the team are acing it at the moment fantastic team fantastic team and and yeah now i've got I've got to ask um I think number three is actually the bud Light ad as well so is, is there any internal rivalry Do you between the
1: teams? We like to all of us put out the very best work, of course, and uh, win as, as a collective. But, uh, uh, you know, of course, everybody tries to outdo each other in a very positive and healthy way. Uh, and that's what we believe is a little bit maybe of the secret sauce on how AB historically as, as a company, parent company, has always been showing up so strong uh, with multiple brands. We have two and a half minutes in the game itself. We are the number one, you know, beverage uh, advertiser in the game. And I think that's part of the secret sauce, for sure. A little bit of healthy competition. Oh, you're so associated with it as well. Well, actually as talking about that, so you,
0: you've had the exclusive rights from 1989, I believe, to 2022. That came to an end last year. What's been the impact of no longer having that level of exclusivity? Has it made any difference to how you've approached it?
1: To, t- to tell you the truth, uh, it made no impact in how we prepare for a super bowl moment because we always look to put our very best plans forward and that has not changed and in reality when you think about it we are competing with every single brand out there the noise around super bowl the attention that we are looking to capture you said earlier 60 right 60 brands think about it 60 brands go to the super bowl Uh, So our competition is really those other brands that are competing for attention. So in that regard, nothing really has has changed, especially in the context where in the past, some of of those competitors were advertising at the local level as well. So yeah, here we are again. I mean, this year we've been planning for this moment for months and now finally the big days. Wow. I'd love to talk to you a bit about about what
0: goes into the planning as well, because I think that, that people will be fascinated to know how long it takes and, and the approach. Before I do, though, um, we've got to ask the $7 million question here, because everyone wants to know,
1: is it worth it? The answer is, it depends. <laughs> it depends on your creative. It depends on how you intend to use the Super Bowl. Uh, if it's a one-time campaign, a one-time moment, or if you're using it to really set up the rest of the year, and to continue building on your the story that is relevant for for your brand, and it also depends in the sense that you need to have, uh, you need to be set up in, from a from a retail standpoint, from a shop floor standpoint, from a commercial standpoint to maximize the moment of Super Bowl and convert that into actual sales. For example, in in the beer category, we know that this is one of the key selling weeks in the year is the lead up to Super Bowl. So uh, for us to have those retail plans ready. To capture these amazing opportunities is absolutely key. So it depends. If you do all of those, absolutely yes, it it is worth it. You are in front of 100 million consumers who are actually paying and welcoming brands and, and commercials. So, yes, it is worth it. So, what would your KPIs be for a successful Super Bowl? I mean, do you have like
0: numbers of cases, case sales, or awareness? What would be your KPIs to judge a, a good
1: Super Bowl? Of course, sales the most important KPI ultimately. But then surrounding it, you would say conversation, uh, cutting through uh, the social media conversation in and around Super Bowl. Are we getting talked about? Are we, you know, are people uh, connecting, sharing our spot, talking about everything else that we have surrounding it? Uh, very important. And of course, more of a long-term one is brand health. Are we building the brand, setting up the brand for the long-term as well? So those are the three things that we, that we tend to look at.
0: Now, how, how, how much of a, a secret, is it? So, so for you talked about your customers, obviously you work with lots of distributors, don't you, that get, get uh, Michelob out to the bars and uh, up and down the country. When do they
1: get to see the Super Bowl and, and all the other bits that go around it? Well, we like to share with our partners, with our wholesalers in advance before even we pre-release. And I had the opportunity to do that just a few days ago to a crowd of uh, close to 4,000 distributors, which was, it's always incredible to be able to get to that moment where you share the work with our with our network and uh, and we get to hear real time feedback too which is which is great
0: that must be quite a moment for you as well because presumably you've been planning this for a
1: long time it's the first time they're seeing it as well what's that what's that feeling like it feels great i mean when you're confident in the work that you're putting forward uh, and when you know that you've been planning you know carefully and and throughout so many months to get us to this point then it's a moment of enjoyment. You, you you go out there to have fun and to let people enjoy the work and, and be as excited as you are. Brilliant. Now now just before we talk about it, I, um what we might
0: do, we might might play it for everyone watching and listening as well.
1: Hello
0: Maybe a different beer?
1: Okay, be right back. I can wait a moment more. That's messy. Wait, me,
0: Leo? We go way back. Dan
1: the mayor.
0: Come on, he's not even trying out there.
1: Mr. Messi. Pondo, Pondo, Pondo.
0: Pondo, Pondo, Pondo. Ultra, superior Light Beer. Talk us through the ad you made this year because it's got a particularly unusual. Well, it's got a new star as well, isn't it, as uh, of the ad? But you talk us through the ad, and then we'll get into how you made it.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, this year's spot very, very special. Of course, we have the goat himself, Lionel Messi, being the star. Of our Super Bowl spot. Uh next to Emmy award winning actor, of course, Jason Sudeikis, uh, and uh then the man Marino uh as well. So the three of them land on what we believe is a simple yet incredibly entertaining spot to watch, a delightful spot to watch, watch Messi doing what he does best uh on a beach which is, of course, a perfect setup for a beer brand. And I would also say that one of the things that we get particularly excited about is the fact that you cannot tell this story without talking about Miklo Ultra. Our brand is the catalyst for what happens. And that's, of course, very important as well.
0: Yeah, it was very natural, wasn't it? Because like sometimes you know the, the, the product itself is forced into the ad, but actually it's just natural part of the story, isn't it? Which is lovely. It means anyone watching is very... It understands immediately, you know which brand is is being talked about. But I've got to ask a question, um, and, and obviously, being an English guy as well, this, you know, um, you've got you've got a soccer player in a football ad. So help me help me understand why that is.
1: Well, I mean, it's undeniable the impact that Messi had in in the US upon his arrival in Miami. I mean, right now is not only uh, the greatest of all time in the sport, but he is also a cultural icon in, in America, and, and that's incredibly powerful. Then again, at the same time, uh, the reason why I'm so excited about the spot this year is it's not a soccer spot for soccer fans. It's a story that resonates from with people from all walks of life, um, partly because we bring... Jason Sudeikis as well, and then Marino. But then again, because the story itself is very relatable, we've all been there on that beach. We've all been at the bar when the keg runs out, and it's incredibly relatable. And that brings the audience along for the for the. And for Dan couldn't help but throw the ball, of course. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> it's very Miami as well. It is very Miami, about. isn't it? Which is brilliant. Um,
0: now, take us back to the beginning. So, when when do you start briefing something like
1: this? When does that process start? Oh, very early, I can tell you. Uh, we like to have the luxury of time to really go out and explore different avenues, different creative ideas. And we really started in April, um, late March, early April, when we started working on what is now going to be on Super Bowl Sunday. And we like that because it just allows us to not rush into into the work. And so that's one point. The second one, it it's the fact that it allows us to really... Use the Super Bowl as a moment to set up the rest of the year. It's such a big moment to be just a one-off of a Super Bowl Sunday campaign. Uh, it really helps us really plan the year around it. Uh, so yeah, multi-month process, different ideas, different great discussions, and and here you are, here we are. That's why I said earlier when the team hears about the result, they will be incredibly excited because it's been a long time coming to get us Well, to it's, it's we very
0: good. And, and just to say as well, the 4.8 star is with the total population as well. So it's, it includes everyone's, you know, the, well, the Super Bowl audience, right? Because it, exactly. it, does, it does appeal to everybody. Um, and, you know, you're a slightly more premium brand as well. So what's the strategy and what's the thinking behind the brand and how you position it in market as well? And And how does this
1: communication deliver that objective? Absolutely. I mean, Michelob Ultra has been uh, a first mover into the category. I mean, launched back in 2002 around this very novel concept back then, uh, you know, a beer for those who enjoy an active lifestyle. And it has been incredibly consistent over the past two decades, of course, with different creative expressions of that very same idea. But to your point, what we look to do is to innovate, to bring creativity that people enjoy. Uh, We look to stay very consistent, not deviate from that original story uh we look at the level of talent that we bring forward uh, to partner with us, uh, and of course, Super Bowl is no exception. And then we look at a number of different executional details, be it from design, for example, um uh, how we show up in store, um the music that we pick up but decide to to have on our on our ads, the tone of the brand, every single element is curated to deliver again on that idea of of being an active lifestyle brand and and at the same time of, Justifying the price premium that we're charging for consumers beyond the product itself. Yeah. You, you talked about some of the executional details as well. And I'd love to get into that because um,
0: my colleague Orlando wrote this amazing book called Look Out, where he, he looked at the features in an ad that kind of capture our attention and create emotion and that work in the long term. And um, as I read through that, it almost literally describes your ad. So the sorts of things that, you know, capture our attention is you've got characters, you know, acting sort of thing. You might have a scene that unfolds. You've got one beautiful 60-second scene, empty not that kind of unfolds in front of you. Um, he talks about recognisable places. So, you know, we, we tend to build emotions when we see places we recognise rather than ads that can be very flat you know, and and like who doesn't want to be down the beach having a beer? I mean, it's just it generates all the right emotion. Um, another thing you talked about is knowing glances, so the kind of looks in people's eyes and the interaction. You've got that brilliantly between the three main characters and the supporting cast as well. Um, the type of humor, I mean, it's not laugh out loud, but it's definitely put a smile on your face, kind of you know, kind of feel good humor, isn't it? And the final point, which which um, he talks about which I, you've absolutely nailed and you, you do throughout actually all your executions is you pick the music very well and i i think it's almost one of those core ingredients in it, all of your work isn't it is that how you do uplifting kind of you know emotive soundtracks is that a conscious part of your
1: decision when you're kind of crafting an ad exactly right exactly right music is such a powerful element sometimes overlooked maybe uh, but it's such a powerful element of any communi- piece of communication. Uh, it it helps you deliver the right tone for the brand, it helps you elevate the story, it helps you trigger emotion, it helps you cut through at the end of the day. And you can have the same piece with two different pieces of music and you have two completely different spots. Such is the power of music in a in a in a spot.
0: Yeah, that comes through very, very clearly. And in fact, all, all the ones that you know I looked at the last five years, they all had something, a kind of a cultural Kind of significant music track but also kind of in the spirit of the of the ad itself doesn't it in terms of almost part of the storytelling is is you know and you've got that perfectly with the beach scene. and this year
1: is exactly no different the quando track yeah. that we have in this year's super bowl spot if you listen to the lyrics it kind of talks a little bit to what you're seeing on screen the pace of the the song itself beautifully kind of merges, blends itself into the action that you're seeing on screen So yeah, it adds to the story at the end of the day.
0: And what I thought was another helpful one. I mean, you know, you've got three well-known kind of celebrities in your ad, but actually, when we looked at the report, what what every what the audience take out is exactly what you want, which is like the occasion of being on the beach and having a beer and having fun and being together. All those things come out way above the fact that it's got some celebrities in it, which is great. So they're like the supporting cast. And um, it's interesting actually. We did we again look at the data on System One. We looked at the impact the celebrity has. And what's fascinating is we took all Super Bowl ads, about 63% of all ads have got a celebrity, um, which is quite surprising, really. Well, it's not surprising with Super Bowl, but it's quite surprising in general for advertising. But we found celebrities overall make no difference at all to the, the actual score. But it's how you use them that really matters. And, and actually, whether you're using a celebrity in the way that they're supposed to be used, doing the thing that they're famous for, like you've done with, you know, and integrate as part of the story. And that's what I think you've done very well, isn't it? Which is, you know... So does that come into your consideration in terms of how you cast celebrities and the role they
1: play in the storytelling? Exactly right. It needs to be a, a, a partnership in the sense that, for example, in again, in this year, we have messy doing... Messy things, uh, you know, doing is magic on a beach. So it's authentic to him, but at the same time, it's very authentic to Michelob Ultra as a brand. It again, it's the catalyst of the story, the trigger for what happens in the spot is the fact that beer runs out. We ran out of Michelob Ultra, so the beer plays a central role there. The set, the, the setting, and this beach bar, incredibly authentic to the brand. So it needs there needs to be that element of authenticity to the brand and what we're trying to communicate for the brand and authenticity to the celebrity in this case, Messi.
0: Yeah, the, the, the data really, really backs up. So if you were giving some advice, so you, you've got a lot of experience doing Super Bowl advertising, right? So what would be the top three bits of advice that you'd give anybody who's going to set out on their first Super Bowl campaign or their first big budget uh, above the line? Because I mean, it's one of those moments in your career, I mean, you've, you've been very... You know, blessed to have you know so many you know award-winning and high-profile campaigns. But I remember when I got the first chance to work on a big budget. It is quite intimidating, isn't it? Because the stakes are high; you don't want to get it wrong and so on. So, what would be your advice to somebody maybe starting out and get their first shot at a big, a big commercial?
1: Well, first of all, it is a, an incredibly special moment. I, again, we always feel blessed that we get to work on an amazing brand that goes to the Super Bowl stage. We get to show the work to millions of people, hundred million plus people. So that's incredibly special. Top three things to, that we always think about is, one, first one is plan well ahead. We don't leave it to the last minute. The the, you know, the last uh, two months of the year, we like to plan well ahead. That's incredibly important because you want to have time to land the best creative. You wanna want to have time to land a full plan around Super Bowl. Time is key. The second one is uh, don't forget your brand. It is very easy to fall into the trap of looking to stand out in what is a very crowded environment around Super Bowl and look to do something that will cut through, but not doing that at the expense of what your brand is all about. That's something that we always think about. Is this authentic to Michael Ultra? Does it deliver on on what we are as a brand. Is it consistent? Is it true to our product? Uh, Brand needs to take center stage. And and then again, be consistent as well with what your brand is. And then finally, of course, of course, look for creative voltage. It is the Super Bowl. You have to bring the very best. There is no other way. I mean, think about the numbers of investment that that you quoted earlier, right? It only makes sense. You have 60 other brands. It only makes sense if it helps you if you have the voltage, the creative to to not only win Super Bowl but then launch your plan through the rest of the year, it is conveniently placed at the start of the year. It's an amazing opportunity to really supercharge your plan and and start kick off the year the right way. It's really interesting, actually, what you said about the sort of the novelty to create the buzz uh,
0: versus doing something authentic to your products, because we have this debate at Christmas as well in the UK. Because a lot of brands try and do something completely surprising every year. And then you go, oh, yeah, I like that ad with the bouncing QR code in it or something. And which brand was it again, you know? So there's this balance, isn't there, between... Being authentic and being clearly who you are as you did very well in this, this year, and doing something that everyone's going to talk about, and those two things are quite hard balances yeah. and it's interesting that what we find because um, I think Super Bowl is the most fun night for us as system one because we we stay up late and we test all the ads within an hour, right so so Mike, who's the, the guy that's in charge of the testing, is just working like all through the night kind of getting it all tested at live as it happens kind of thing, and uh, it does an amazing job. But it's always interesting to see what the social media reaction is compared to what the audience kind of feel. And, and they often be different. The ones that people are kind of like the bouncing QR code last year, everyone's going mad about on social code that broke the internet, got no reaction from the audience. And everyone was confused going, what's going on? You know, so it, th- there is a tension, isn't there, between the sort of, you know, PR generation and the, and the delivering on the co- core fundamentals
1: and and the other the other aspect of Super Bowl, of course, is you are talking to literally everybody. It's it's that's also very important to keep in mind talking with everybody, all walks of life, coast to coast, which is of course what makes it so powerful. But that's another yet another important consideration that for us, especially thinking about this ad, beyond soccer fans we wanted to have a piece that resonates across the board yeah
0: well th- 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 this also made sense of my first super bowl which which i realized actually it's entertainment and and and, and the football is is obviously it's what it's about but actually it was you know the entertainment the half time everything was was so mass appeal as well and an interesting stat we found as well is that only 16 percent of super bowl ads actually feature Foot or any kind of sporting players, it's not just football players, but any kind of sporting players. So it just shows how mass market an event it is. It's way beyond the kind of NFL final, isn't it? In terms of its appeal,
1: hundred percent. It's a cultural moment, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely is. Definitely is. Now, how do you, um, given the importance of, of particularly, actually, particularly for you this year, after the year you've had last year, how important is this year to you? And how did you sell that into the organization and get the organization behind your first Super Bowl since the, the some of the bumps, I'll, I'll describe them as you had last year, shall we
1: say? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, any Super Bowl is is special. This year in particular, it is a, a pivotal year for for Michelob Ultra uh, for us to supercharge our growth trajectory. Again, incredibly <laughs> successful over the past two decades. Brand has been on an incredible growth trajectory. We grew 41% just between 2019 and 2023 which is quite quite amazing and we're looking to continue on down that same trajectory so this super bowl is even more meaningful for us to kick off the year and again we have an incredibly exciting year ahead of us with all the events that are coming to the US calendar I mean you think about Copa America for example in the summertime and and many others it's a very special moment. And again, combined with the excitement that I felt from our distributors, the plans that I know that we have on the floor in retail to capture the moment and everything that's going to follow from Super Bowl Sunday onwards, I can tell you that I couldn't be more excited about what the year holds for uh, for McLeod Ultra.
0: Now, this is a very good point. And, and, and you know, Going back to my UK experience, we often say an ad is for life, not just for Christmas, or a campaign is for life, not just for Christmas. And the Super Bowl is an even more extreme version of that, because I think at Christmas the you know, it's probably about a six week kind of run that you have. The Super Bowl is like two weeks of intense, you know, uh, publicity and hype, one night of, 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 of 60 ads being played out, and then the news cycle moves on. So what are your plans beyond the Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, think about it. March, soccer season kicks back up and we will see Messi back on the pitch. That's just a few weeks later and we are ready for that. So in in many ways, having this particular uh, theme of this spot with Messi helps us pave the way to March, start of the season. And then of course, Copa America. Copa America uh, coming back to the US for the first time since 2016. So it is an incredibly special moment to have that uh, tournament being played in the US across 14 host cities over the summer period, which is of course a key selling season for beer, right? And if you think about it, back in 2016, we had over a million fans attending in person and over a hundred million tuning in for Copa America. So it is something that we are incredibly excited about uh, and only to continue a couple of weeks later into the Olympics as well. So it is clicks beautifully into what we have in store for the brand throughout the rest of the year, not to mention, of course, our partnership with Williams Racing and Formula One and many, many other uh, uh, aspects of the plan.
0: Now, let's find out a little bit about some of the things you're doing there, because from what I understand, there's some quite innovative Uh, things you'll be doing but but there's a slight irony as well this year in that um, Messi's boss Beckham is appearing in another Super Bowl ad so it's like this is the year of soccer isn't it like you got Beckham in an Uber Eats ad and then you got Messi in your Michelob ad
1: look and that's part of the exciting thing I mean I feel like the sport soccer in the US I mean it's about to enter a golden era for sure I mean just the fact that we have the three most important soccer tournaments in the world being played right here over the next three years. I mentioned earlier Copa America, next year to the FIFA Club World Cup, and of course the FIFA World Cup in 2026. So there is certainly a very exciting uh, road ahead for for soccer. And with uh, Ultra, Michelob Ultra right now, being part of that journey, thinking about how that clicks into our plans, I mean, it is, it is incredibly powerful.
0: Now, I want to talk a little bit about some of the innovation you've, you've approached uh, your communication with, because you've done some pretty cutting-edge things using AI, haven't you, to give fans an experience of being kind of you know, in the action that maybe they wouldn't have done before. Just explain some of the things you've done, because it's quite mind-blowing when you, when, you, when you
1: explain it. Well, I mean, we like to uh, bring cutting-edge technology in service of great storytelling and inter- entertainment. And with the team uh, here in New York, FCB uh, New York, we've been doing this. I'd say consistently over the past five years, starting back in in the middle of the pandemic in 2020 when everything stopped when the world stopped, we brought in partnership with the NBA and Microsoft the Make global Court site, bringing virtual fans into, basketball arenas. You could literally be sitting in the comfort of your living room, appearing to be courtside in broadcast. So would I, would I see myself? So if I was watching, I'd see myself yep. sat here in the arena, right? That's exactly right. Wow. You, you would literally be seeing, sitting courtside and you'll show up in the in the broadcast, bringing the energy of the fans into the bubble back then. It was quite a novel uh, entertainment experience, uh, one that added for to the sport, for the players, to the fans. And, and that was... Our first kind of step into thinking about technology as an enabler of great entertainment.
0: It's funny how the just know it's funny how the pandemic actually created a natural experiment, didn't it? Because you, we suddenly had a. A period where there were no fans I mean I, I, I know my team Southampton sadly not in the Premier League anymore but but it was quite interesting the year that they uh, closed uh, kept the fans away from the stadium we did really well because what we discovered is that the bigger teams with the bigger stadiums have got like a fan bet you know got a fan benefit boost basically by having such you know a greater number of fans in the stadium and actually not having the fans was like an equalizer for the teams but it's fascinating you, you learn quite a lot of things don't you through uh,
1: exactly right even, even just the viewing experience Experience watching these games at home with the energy of the fans—it is a completely different yeah. experience. So for us back then, that was like a big, uh, haha. Let's say, and uh, when the pandemic was over, we—the the learning for us was there is more that we can do to deliver on what Michel is all about: leveraging technology, leveraging great, great storytelling beyond traditional advertising, which is certainly very important in everything that we do. But to reach our audience through different platforms, this is exactly what we need to be doing. So we followed it up with McEnroe versus McEnroe, bringing the great John McEnroe to play against himself, but not in a video game type of format, on a real tennis court, on a physical court. And that from a technology standpoint was just incredible. I mean, we had four robotic arms on the other side of the court. We had John playing on a real court, and then we had a missed screen because of course the projection, we needed a projection, something to project on so that John would see himself. Uh, we analyzed over a thousand matches in John's career because the AI was mimicking what he would do in the different years. We picked five different years, pivotal years in his career. And we created a one hour show special talking about John and, and, and his legacy, but then watching him play these avatars of himself back then. And that was just mind blowing. It resulted in a unique piece of entertainment, which we distributed with ESPN in 50 plus countries around the world.
0: I'm interested because it's amazing use of AI and technology, of course, how did he feel playing himself? And did it change his game? Because he's quite a temperamental kind of guy, right? Did it change (laughs) how he
1: approached the game as well?
0: he was just. Was he rattled by himself? I mean, did did, did himself swear at him and shout? They did, yes. Really? So there
1: was interaction between him and the and the avatars, and that's I mean also part of of the uh, you know the entertainment value of the. You of cannot O-O. be serious. You cannot be serious. <laughs> is absolutely there, of course, and uh, and it's interesting because it also allowed him to reflect on his career in a, just in a different way, and w- hearing from him and basically he lands the you know the the, the the final interview after the the, the matches, he uh, his message is enjoy yourselves out there. You know, uh, Of course there's a lot of pressure in the game or whatever you do, hmm. but just enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, enjoy every minute. And he said, well, I was quite, kind of an intense character uh, myself.
0: That's interesting. so we we can learn from the AI representation of ourselves in a way because we get to experience ourselves in a way that we wouldn't have done otherwise, yeah. I suppose. That's yeah interesting. exactly
1: right. And, uh, and again, a unique piece of, of entertainment and that people wanted to watch that had inter- genuine entertainment value. And that's also why ESPN wanted to distribute the, the, the content. We did not pay uh, ESPN. It was not an advertising play where we paid ESPN to run the content. There was genuine uh, value there. That's why they decided to get behind it.
0: Now, I believe you've got a similar idea, but for Formula One coming up soon, haven't you? T- tell me about that. That's exactly
1: right. I mean, uh, super excited uh, about it. We announced Lap of Legends uh, last year during the Vegas Grand Prix. And uh, in a similar vein to McEnroe, we are bringing uh, Logan Sargent to race in his 2024 Williams against the Legends Legends of the Past, Williams Legends of the Past. And we're talking about the likes of Andretti, uh, Villeneuve. Uh, button and a few other names to be announced very soon. He will be in his current present day car uh, in Silverstone, of course, and all of the other drivers will be uh, AI uh, generated, so they will be avatars on the track, leveraging, of course, all the data that we have collected over the years to create a very compelling race. Of course, to make it competitive, because cars have yeah. evolved, right, throughout throughout the years, uh, we are taking the DRS out of Logan's car. We're taking the battery. And we're putting everybody in modern day uh, uh, tire compounds. And we're also lining the grid from the oldest car to the newest car. So Logan will start at the back of the grid and that will create, make for a very compelling race. And it's also an, uh, an opportunity for us to talk about Williams. I mean, here we have one of the most iconic names in the history of Formula One that maybe American fans are not as familiar with. It, it allows us to talk about the amazing, rich history of Williams through the decades uh, talk about those amazing names that have made Williams such a special uh, team to to uh, to drive for
0: i mean w- w- one of my uh, one of my other favorite things you've done is is how you you brought a blind man to commentate on the nBA which is incredible isn't it it's the use of technology to enable people to experience sport in a way they haven't been able to before um, yeah tell me more about that because i think that's quite an astonishing
1: yes. uh initiative that was one of the most Moving experiences for me personally was sitting in that studio that we set up for Cameron Black and watching him experience basketball, the game of basketball with such tremendous joy and excitement. That for me was incredibly moving. So what we did was we got uh, Cameron Black is a uh, sports journalist, he is visually impaired. And he told us, look, basketball is just a very difficult game for me to enjoy because it's so fast. And that for us was the the insight, the impetus behind the program. So what we did was through a year in the making, through the use of technology, we got him uh, an aptic vest, adaptable Braille that was getting data straight from the court so much so that he was actually ahead of the, of the broadcast. I was watching him from the studio uh, and watching the live TV broadcast he was his feed was ahead because he was getting the data in his in his Braille set. And then, of course, we had him in a specially designed studio with a number of different speakers to give him spatial sound and, and the idea on where the game was moving. And again, just watching him deliver the, the game and commentate on the game, the entire game, he did the entire game. Now,
0: when you, when you watch this, he is in the moment, isn't he? He, he is, he is like you would not know he's he's blind because he's absolutely animated, absolutely in the moment himself. All the passion, energy that any sports fan would have for you know, for exactly, it.
1: exactly, which resulted results again on a unique piece of entertainment, and then it also has a legacy component to it because the the the, the tech that we use is being packaged now available now with the Knicks and the MSG for visually impaired fans attending in in the arena. So it's more than that moment only uh, that was incredibly special. It's also something that has a legacy behind. That's what we love uh, to do. And we we keep pushing ourselves and the team again, all kudos to the the folks at FCB New York, incredible uh, team there to come up with these amazing ideas year after year after year. And challenging our production partners, because these are things that have not been tried before, have not been done before. And that kind of jump into the abyss of, will this really work? I can tell you that when John McEnroe walks into that court, day one of the shoot, and we were still calibrating the the robot, the mechanical arms and and, and everything else, and it was not working perfectly. Day one. At that moment, we thought, well, maybe we Kind of overstretched a little bit. So we, uh, we uh, overnight, we got, we got a tennis pro in calibrated all of the, the equipment correctly. So when John got back on set, things were working, but for a split second there, You know, we were staring at the abyss of maybe this is not going
0: to work. I I love that story. So there's always that moment, isn't there? Anything, you know, it it wouldn't be worth doing it. It, it, You know, you're only pushing boundaries if you get to that point where it might or might not work, right? Because otherwise, if it's too safe, it would have been done before. Exactly. Uh, So you've been producing some amazing work, you know, Super Bowl, obviously high profile Love the innovation. I mean, it's just it's just fascinating to talk about. I could talk about it all day. Let's talk about the business results, though. Right. So, how's the brand performed in the last five years in the US?
1: Well, as I mentioned, I mean, forty-one uh, percent growth uh, between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty three. I mean, an incredible growth trajectory on what is has been and will continue to be a very competitive market for uh, for beer and beverages in in general. Uh, so that that is the the ultimate metric of success for us it's are we growing are we driving market share are we bringing more uh, consumers into into our drinker base that is the ultimate metric everything else that we do around it is an enabler to get us to the ultimate end result
0: and you've gone from am I right to say number four to number two in that number time. two that's right yeah, that's right. So if you look back then, it's, you know uh, as marketers, we're all trying to build long-term success. Not all of us stay in our jobs long enough to do it, but anyway, that's another podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what's this, what's the secret to kind of sustain su- success as a marketer, would you say?
1: You have to be excited every single day. And of course, some days will be more exciting than others, but you have to keep that passion for the business. Uh, and of course, I mean, again, I feel incredibly privileged to be able to work for this amazing company and the brands that we have, some of the most iconic brands in the world and be able to, uh, you know, bet on things like in lap of legends and, and in bringing the brand into new spaces like soccer. Uh, it is in incredibly important to continue to challenge your partners. In our case, Wyden Kennedy FCB New York to come up with the very best work. Uh, knowing that we're going to buy it it's always that dynamic that we have if you bring great work we commit to buying it and making it that's interesting. how, how do you get the, the, the that's quite a statement
0: then how do you get that signed off then because it, because it's easy to say isn't it like you know you come up with great work and we'll
1: we'll sign it off but it it was uh, you know probably 5 years ago was probably harder for them to maybe believe 100% of that but since then i mean if you look at the track record of work that we've been putting out there, it is established. You bring great work, we will buy it and we will make it.
0: I think that's one of those secrets, actually, because I've seen that like on KFC and to the general manager and, and the, 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 the bets they were taking were only possible because of like seven or eight years of, of mutual trust and almost the ability to go, do you know what, we've got to make a decision tomorrow, we're going to do it, knowing that the you know, head office has got our cup, you know, our back covered. Yeah. Um, sort of thing. Same on the McDonald's team as well. Another widening Kennedy uh, client as well. You know, the ability to keep on getting better and better built a trust with the client that they'll they'll take much bigger, well, perceived risks. They're not really, you know, but
1: right, exactly. Uh, and and that's an incredibly important component on everything that we touched on. It's this agency brand team partnership where essentially we are one team. We all succeed together, or or not. Uh, and when problems or when challenges, the McEnroe situation, well, oh, this is not really working. It's day one. How do we fix it? We're all on the same team. We'll all rally together to fix it. And we are always equally excited for the work and enjoy the process as well. It's important to enjoy the process. I mean, back to Super Bowl. we've been working on this for the last few months. It has been, it's a Super Bowl. It's been challenging to deliver to the standard that we want to deliver. But the process itself was an enjoyable one. Everybody's looking back at the process. And I know that I speak for the folks at White and Kennedy as well. It, it has been accelerating and we are ready to do it again for next year, even better and faster and, and everything else. Right. But. That element of partnership is absolutely critical. Yeah.
0: I mean, the the other uh, the, the other flip side of that that I, I found as well is it's is that collaboration is, is super critical. But the ability to take that and energize the internal team and your customers as well—that's the other part of it, isn't it? Is oh. that if you can take all those creative ideas and 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 the vision for what you're going to yeah. do, and almost make help people to realize what's coming. Because that's often I found. i get really excited by the kind of creative and the ideas we're coming up with. And then you get this kind of, kind of blank reaction from the teams. But if you can kind of show them what's possible and they start to anticipate what could be coming and then you get the energy and you get you know better execution in store and through the distribution network and everything else.
1: Yeah, and look, that's another critical element is the team around you. I mean, uh, of course, I, the, everything that I touched on, only possible because we have a phenomenal team of people around it that can live with the ambiguity of some of these projects that there's really no map to, it has not been done before. Like how do you, you know, drive to delivering those things every day? We have an amazing team around it. Again, going back to your original question, excited about the business we're in, excited about the brand, resilient, resilient. And optimistic at the same time, and incredibly buttoned up in terms of the planning and everything else that goes around it.
0: Resilience is a good point, isn't it? Because you know it doesn't always go well, as you know from last year. So I think having the resilience to believe that actually you're still going in the right direction and doing the right thing is 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 very important for any marketer.
1: Exactly. You can you you control what you can control, which is putting great plans out there. Focus on our consumers doing work that delights them and and uh, and also at the same time continue to push the boundaries of innovation in entertainment to be able to cut through in this very noisy world that we live in today. Yeah, certainly is. We're we'll, we'll talking about noise. Um
0: final question then. Where will you be watching the Super Bowl on Sunday and who are you going to support?
1: I'll be in Vegas uh in the stadium in Vegas uh with with the team and uh who am I supporting? That's a very tricky question. That's oh, going to get me in trouble. That's uh, going to get me in trouble. So as, 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 a big, mean,
0: as a big advertiser, do you, do you have to maintain a level of, uh, you know, neutrality?
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I love all of the... I mean, look, the Giants are not there. Yeah. The Jets are not there. I mean, yeah. especially the Jets, my, my home team here in New York. So at this point in time, you know, uh, I'm, I'm there for... You can enjoy the game, We'd can't say, you? Because you, you, you win either way, right? And, enjoy and the game.
0: I think when I went, I spent about 10 hours there and there was a, only you know, the, the 80 yeah. minutes or something where you know, all the trailer park and the you know halftime show and everything else was, was quite spectacular.
1: And we have an amazing event as well, Saturday in Vegas, uh, the Micheloboltrek Country Club, uh, which is uh, by popular demand. We're bringing that event back from last year in Phoenix since it was such a success. So we're bringing, uh, we have an amazing lineup of uh, talent, uh, Aliso, Little Wayne, um, and many others to bring an amazing event at Golf in Vegas, which is a spectacular venue, uh, Saturday night. So amazing. I'm excited for that. Well, I've
0: got well. a bit of an idea for where our next podcast interview needs to be for next year. So uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we'll like work that. on that. We'll, we'll upgrade, that. we'll upgrade the studio <laughs> to somewhere. Do we, to, to, when does it get announced, the venue for next year? Is it already done? I don't know how these things. work. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll keep an eye out for it, and uh, sure. I'll be the first. On I'm the...
1: sure it's. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah,
0: we'll yeah. find out. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll book a spot. we will
1: do.
0: <laughs> amazing, Ricardo. It's been amazing to talk to you. Thank you. Congratulations on your results, and uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the game.
1: Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for listening or watching Uncensored CMO. I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, please do hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching, hit subscribe there as well. I'd also love to get a review. Reviews make a big difference on other people discovering the show. So please do leave a review wherever you get your podcast. If you want to contact me, you can do. I'm over on x at Uncensored CMO or on LinkedIn where I'm under my own name, John Evans. Thanks for listening and watching. I'll see you next time.